Okay, so uh, if you'll go with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 14. Um, I'm just going to actually read a couple verses before then in, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel 13. He says, so it came, verse 22, he says, So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and his son Jonathan. That's just really crazy. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Okay, so they're, you know, they, they, they've gone to this pass. Now the day came, chapter 14, um, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Now the day came when Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Verse 2. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in, uh, which is in Migron. And the people uh, who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's, I like that word, Ichabod, I'm sorry, Ichabod's brother, <laughs> the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the priest of the Lord at Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. And the people didn't know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to cross over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp crag in one side and a sharp crag on the other side, and the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sene. And one crag rose on the north opposite Michmash, and the other on the south opposite Geba. Now, I just want to pause here for a second. They're talking about a garrison, and a garrison is about um, is about 500 men, okay? Uh, and their goal and their charge was to um, was to protect the town that they were in or to protect a building that these people were in. So they had about 500. Uh, uh, a legion is about 5,000, okay? So that's where we're going. And uh, cha chapter 14, verse 6, Then Jonathan said to his young man, who is carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will show uh, will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. I love that verse. His armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself and here I am with you according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands and uh, this shall be a sign to us. Now, if it was me, this is just an aside, but if it was me, I would say, um, we'll call out to them. And if they say, come up here, we will run away. Or if they say, we'll come down there, I would run away. Okay, just so you know. And then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. Okay, um, and then in verse 11, jump down to verse 11. And then both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, behold, Hebrews are coming out of the holes uh, where they have hidden themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and, the, and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. 
And then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor-bearer behind him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer, uh, and his armor-bearer put some to death after him. The first slaughter, I love this, the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men within about a half a furrow in an acre of land. And uh, there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, even the garrison and the raiders tremble, and uh, trembled, and the earth quaked uh, so that it became a great trembling. Okay. Now, this is an incredible story, okay? Um, there's so much to dig out of this. I'm only going to dig out a few things. Okay. The first thing, um, the first thing was that, um, that he says, the Lord, in verse six, the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. You know, um, he's not restrained in that. He's not restricted to the amount of people. Think of Gideon. He had only 300 men. In fact, God had to weed them down. They had too many and God had to weed them out so that there was only, you know, this many, you know, okay, we're only going to kill them with 300. And it was actually like not uh, just a few of them that ended up um, destroying that army uh, that they were facing. But here he says, God, the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. God, again, is not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. Now, somebody said that that um, God and one man, you know, one, one man and God makes a, makes a majority. You don't need a majority rule. And what we need to do is just recognize that with God, we already have the majority and we can go after this stuff. Okay, another thing I want to look at here, and this is just skimming the surface. This is not, you know, going going deep, 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 deep. Um, I have a friend that can do that, that will do that for you. But right now, this is just me. And just, uh, just an overview of all of this. I just want to encourage you. This is the purpose of this. I'm going to encourage you to go after this thing, to go after God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In the society that we live in right now is now more than ever do we need Jesus. But Jesus needs one person to stand up and say, Jesus, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. Okay. Um, yeah. So I want to go to verse three. He says, uh, Jonathan, you know, it just talks about that Jonathan and his uh, Jonathan had left. He didn't tell anybody he was leaving. Verse one, he says, but he did not tell his father, you know, um, and, and I'm going to talk about this in a second. And then in verse three, both of them went up and it said, the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So he didn't tell anybody. All right. One of the things that I love about Jesus, and we'll talk about this at a different time in more depth. One of the things I love about Jesus, whenever he did something, he told them, uh, do not tell any, anybody what had happened. Say nothing to nobody. Just go to show yourself to the priest and present your offering. That's what he told them to do. Okay, yes, I do realize that after his death, when he empowered us with the Holy Spirit, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's, you know, he said, now go, you know. Um, but I want to say that something about this, that Jonathan did not say anything to anybody about what was his, his intentions were, okay? He had to tell his armor bearer because, I mean, like, really, his armor bearer had to know what was going to happen here. <laughs> he had to know what was going to happen. So 
Uh, but he didn't tell anybody. And sometimes, you know, if you tell somebody what your what your plans are, you know, a lot of times they'll try to talk you out of it. You know, I think of Saul and David. Remember when David was going up against Goliath? Saul said, listen, you're, you're too young. You're too ruddy. Uh, you're, you're too good looking. You know, and then David said, no, I will go up and, and you know, I killed the bear. I killed the lion. And, uh, and this Philistine will be just like one of them. And then David said, uh, and then Saul said, well, at least go with my, my armor. And, uh, and, and, and David said, no, it's too big. He tried it on. It didn't work. He said, I can't do this. I have to do it this way. So he goes out against, um, against Goliath and defeats him. And sometimes what will happen is if you tell the world what you're going to do, you know, there, there are so many people that will talk you out of it. You know, I often, um, I often use the phrase, you know, if, uh, if, if somebody can talk you into something, somebody can talk you out of it. I would rather have you surrendering to, uh, to the Lord on your own volition than have somebody motivate you to do it, not motivate you in a sense. I mean, they, they give you a, fl a flowery speech and you get all excited. You know, um, a lot of times when, when, when preachers talk about uh, an offering, um, they try to stir you to do it emotionally, give an emotional giving, but God doesn't like that. God wants a cheerful giver. And God wants a cheerful servant. Jonathan didn't say anything because he knew his father. And I believe that his father would have either tried to, obviously would have tried to talk him out of it because for, for Pete's sake, um, well, not for Pete's sake, but for Israel's sake, Jonathan was next in line and he didn't want, um, he didn't want to have to have um, Jonathan die. He didn't, so Jonathan didn't say anything. I mean, you're talking about two guys against 500. That's not pretty good odds. That's not good odds at all. I mean, imagine trying to play basketball a two on five. It, you know, it, it's just not going to work. Now imagine it being two people against 500. You know, that's just not going to work. So, you know, so so they go up and, and here's Jonathan in verse six. And uh, this is the crux for the next few minutes. Jonathan came out and he says, let's cross over. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, okay? Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. I hope he will. Let's find out if he will. They, they went and they did it, and, they, and they, they said, perhaps. It's quite possible God will work for us. And then he gives the, the armor bearer a sign of whether or not God's going to work with them, okay? This is cool. Because the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. It really only takes one. You know, Jesus preached a few times to thousands of people. Okay. He, 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 he talked to, he talked, sometimes he would talk to hundreds of people, you know, but he spent most of his time, he spent a lot of time with 12. And he only had three really, really close friends. And one, he said, was my beloved. Okay. The one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay, that's John. Okay, so yeah, James, Peter, James, and John narrowed down to John. Isn't that crazy? So God had, Jesus had poured himself into 12. And he gave them, um, this isn't a side to what I'm talking about, but it's okay. He gave them a, um, a plan on how he wanted, I believe, to evangelize and disciple the, the world. Okay. Uh, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. And Jesus gave the plan. 
Get 12 people. Pour into them. Show them how to do it. Let them go out and do it. All right? So first he showed them how to do it. Then he watched them do it. And then he sent them out to do it. They had some successes. They didn't have a, like, a ton of success. But then he ended up leaving and left them with, with this in charge. Okay? And then so that's, I kind of believe that that's kind of the plan. Get 12 people to disciple, train them in the things of God, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded us, teaching them to do it, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to heal the sick, not pray for them, heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes, cast out demons. You know, these are things that we're supposed to be doing, okay? And Jesus gave us the blueprint to do that. So, and then, then I love this armor bearer. The armor bearer could have run away at this point, but he said, do all that is in your heart, turn yourself, and here I am with you according to your desire. You know, um, it's easy, somebody said, it's easy to love somebody who doesn't compromise. And it is. I, I, I admire people. I mean, I think of, I think of Alexander the Great. You know, Alexander the Great had a few followers. And, um, and, and what he did was he marched and marched and marched. And one time, one of his uh, men came up to him and said, Hey, you know, um, sir, uh, we're, you know, the maps run out. We don't have any, uh, there's no more map. We're off the map. And then Alexander said, let's keep going. So they kept going and they did it. You know, Alexander the Great was not a Christian. <laughs> I'm going to say, let me just say this. He wasn't Jesus, but he was a man that people respected. He was honored. He was a great man. Okay. So, and all he needed was one person. And all Jonathan needed was somebody to say, here I am with you according to your desire. The armor bearer was like, hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to fight with you in this thing. We can do this together. Now, keep in mind, we read this before, that it was Saul and Jonathan who had the spears. They were the only ones who had spears, okay? So then he says, behold, we'll cross over and we'll we will reveal ourselves to him. So now he puts out this, what we call a fleece. And he said, if they say, come, uh, if they say, wait there, we'll come to you. Then we will stand in our place and not go, okay? But then he says, but if they say, come up to us, then we will know uh, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands and this will be a sign for us. So they jump out and the garrison said, hey, look, they're coming out of the rocks. <laughs> oh man, anyway, this I just cracks me up. Sorry. And then so Jonathan, and I can just see this happening, okay? So if you can imagine this with me, all right? And the armor bearer says, okay, Jonathan, what are we gonna do? I got this plan. This plan's gonna work. If they say, we'll come down to you, We'll, we'll hide. But if we say, if they say, let's go up, uh, you know, come up to us and we'll, we'll tell you something, then we'll go because we'll know that, that God has given them. And then so they said, they, they picked themselves out of the rocks. The Philistines go, hey, look, they're coming out of the rocks. Come on up to us. We got to tell you something. And I can see Jonathan grabbing his armor bearer and says, we win, we win, we win. We, we're going to get this. We win, we win. And then he goes, okay, great. But what's your plan? He goes, I don't know. You go to the right. I'll go to the left. We'll surround them. <laughs> and they killed 20 men. They killed 20 out of the 500. The other 480 people took off. The earth quaked. God fought for them. Isn't that amazing? 
And then later on, you read it later, you can read it later. Uh, then, then they found out that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Saul gets upset, you know, and then that's what would have happened anyway. If he had told Saul what he was going to do, Saul was going to get upset and, and hinder this thing. God wants to move in your life right now. He wants to move in your through your life right now. We had an experience here at Bethel over the last couple of weeks. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and it's really kind of sad, actually, that there have been there's so much backlash as to what had happened. Uh, you, you all are familiar, uh, it's been in some newspapers, um, but you're familiar that we had a family here who lost a child, um, passed away in its sleep. Okay, devastating to the parents, obviously. God gave them a word of instruction to go and to sing, to sing, to praise him, to honor him. The mother and father, they just sought in their heart to honor them, okay? And then we as a community with them stood with them in this in this praising and honoring and worshiping God. And it took us, can I say, it took us to another level in believing and praying for something that is impossible, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's what the word says. And so we worshiped. And, and this was the battle plan. And we stood with them. And people kept saying, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, why not? I mean, I had, I had to talk to a couple of folks. And, and I said, well, why not? Why, why shouldn't we do that? It was, well, that's just, you know, they need time to grieve. Well, how do you know that this isn't their grieving process? For crying out loud, this is not your life. They are not your children, and you didn't create them. So how do you know? This is their grieving process. People gathering around them and embracing them and holding them and putting their trust in a God who can do impossible things. Now, sure, the baby did not rise from the dead. But you know something? I, for one, being a part of this, cannot ever, 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 ever not believe that God can't do it. I can do that. I mean, I've seen creative miracles. I, I've prayed for people that had creative miracles. Never had to lay hands on them. They just did it. Creative miracles all around. I've, I've seen that. I've felt it. I've been touched by it. And uh, physically for myself and other people. And you know something? I can't deny that God can do that. And he said, raise the dead. He said, heal the sick and raise the dead. Now, I haven't healed everybody. But this is what he said to do. There are 10 accounts in the Bible that talk about raising the dead, okay? Um, some of them Jesus did. One of them Elijah did. Two of them Elisha did. You know, Jesus did a lot of them. And uh, Paul did one, you know, that, that, that was recorded. And so, you know, you, you, you got to recognize. And then even when Jesus died and the veil of the temple was torn and, and the earth shook, the dead rose and they walked about Jerusalem. Holy sclamoli. What's that like? I'm just saying that, you know, there's so much more to this than what we give God credit for. You can believe God for small stuff, sure. Can you believe God for $5? Why can't you believe him for 5000 It's just a five with three zeros after it, right? If God can heal, why can't he raise the dead? I know a guy, I uh, don't know him personally, but I know of a person. 
um, that raised over 500 people from the dead in Africa and other countries, you know. I'm not here to argue the point. I'm just saying that God told us to do it, you know. And here's Jonathan who asked for, asked for a strategy. He got a strategy and he went for it. I just love it. Armor bearer, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. We'll circle around them and we will surround them. And then they go up and they kill them. I don't have no idea what a furrow is, but it's part of an acre. And they killed 20 of them in that thing. They were untouched. There are 500 against two. And Jonathan and his armor bearer were untouched. They had the Lord fighting for them. God fights for you. All you have to do is just get upset. And, and I love Chris Vallotton. He spoke um, He spoke last night. Um, that was on the 29th. I think it was, uh, yeah, the 29th of, of December 2019. And he, he spoke in the evening service. And if you can go to Bethel TV and you can watch that video, tremendous. God can do so much with one person who's hungry. Think about Catherine Coleman. She was one person who had over two and a half million documented healings. She had doctors at her meetings. She didn't have to say anything else. Doctors confirmed the healings. Children, older people confirmed healings. And then I heard that she even had another, another two and a half million people that were healed without documentation. They were just healed. So 5 million people at least were healed from her ministry. And reading her books, people are still getting healed. It's crazy. Can you change society? Can you change what's happening in your family? Can you change people's ideas? I believe so. How do you do it? It's really simple. You pray. You pray. Dear God. Jesus, just turn this around. I remember, um, wow, this has gotten a little long, and I apologize, but just bear with me. I remember when I, when I first became a believer, um, my parents uh, were not Christians. They were, they were uh, of the Roman Catholic Church. And, and I remember they almost got divorced because I became a Christian, okay? And my dad says, no, I can't do this, you know. We have to, excuse me, we have to forbid him to do this. My mom says, no, it's just a fad. This is 1973. I got saved in August. In December of 1973, I heard the argument in my room that my mom and dad were having. And well, he can't live here if he's going to be, you know, if he's going to believe this. Can't, can't live here. So I, I remember like it was close to Christmas and, uh, and I looked at my mom and dad. I said, hey, I got to talk to you guys. I said, listen, I will move out of here. I am not giving up my faith in Jesus. I will go and find some other place to live. And they both stopped. They were like almost shocked that I took a stand. I prayed. And, and this was a deliberate move. This wasn't an accidental move. It was a deliberate move. I, I moved, and I had prayed about it. And I had prayed about it. And I had prayed about it. And I said, God, strengthen me for this. I wasn't even baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. 
I mean, imagine me speaking in tongues in my house. That would have been funny. <laughs> I, the day I got saved, I remember my brothers warned me, don't tell mom, don't tell mom. You know, she'll die. <laughs> she'll kill you kind of thing. Don't tell mom, don't tell mom. So the first thing I did when I got home and I said, mom, I got saved. I got born again. You know, my grandmother kind of made fun of me. My, <clears throat> my, my mom, she, she had this peaceful look on her face when I walked into the house. But when I mentioned that, she had this face like she was going to kill me. And I said, mom, for the first time in my life, I know peace. And those of you who know me know some of my story. And I'll, I'll share it at another time. But <clears throat> for the first time in my life, I knew peace. And I was, I was peace. I was at peace with myself and in my soul. So she, so she defended me with my dad, and and that that time at Christmas time, I just said, you know, um, I remember going to my pastor and I said, what should I do? And he said, give them a picture of you on drugs, you know, and uh, <laughs> say which one do you want? Well, I didn't do that, but I remember telling him. Um, I'm not going to give up Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk away from Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I will move. And I know it's causing you guys trouble, but I will move. And my mom and dad both looked at me and said, you don't have to move, you know? And then, so I didn't move. And then shortly after that, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember I spoke in tongues. It was awesome. And so I wanted to encourage you you know, and like, I got to tell you this to end the story. I prayed for a number of years for my mom, my dad to be saved. And I remember um, my mom passed away and I think it was 2007 or 2008, a day before her 75th birthday. And um, she died of uh, dementia and, can and cancer. And so her body just forgot to heal. Her body forgot, you know, to feel pain. And her body forgot to, um, just forgot to pump the heart. So she ends up passing away, but she was born again. In the early 2000s, she was born again. My dad was born again, you know, and that's what I look at. I'm like, you know, God answers your prayer. God cries out to you. God talks to you. And we have this fellowship with Jesus. Jonathan had to know something about God. I don't believe that Jonathan just said that um, at that moment, you know, like the first thing that came into his mind, I think he knew from hearing the stories about Moses. Maybe talking to, you know, having Samuel talking to Saul. I don't know. But he knew something about God. I, I love how he says this here. He says, um, <clears throat> he says, perhaps the Lord will work for us. It has that has that feel like God already worked for God already worked for Moses why can't he work for us God already worked for Moses why can't he work for us God worked for Gideon why can't he work for us God worked for Joshua why can't he work perhaps he'll work for us he had to know something about God you know something about God. God will give you the strategies. If you ask him, he will give them to you. 
Well, anyway, I've gone on a really long time about this, but just know that God will give you the strategies and what God writes, he always underwrites and he will fight on your behalf because he loves you and he desires you. Just fellowship with him, man. Spend time with him because he loves you. Most of our emotional issues can be taken care of if we would just spend time with Jesus. Okay, I love you guys. Um, tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about a prophecy that was given uh, in the Old Testament and that was fulfilled. It was given in First Kings and it was fulfilled in Second Kings by one of my heroes in the Bible. His name is Josiah, an eight-year-old king who changed the nation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, you can do this stuff. Anyway, guys, love you, and I will talk to you next time.